providing real solutions for real business challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, Season 4. Conversations with professionals across the country, exploring business topics and empowering personal growth in real estate, financial services, and the title insurance industry. Well, thanks everyone for joining us here today on another installment of FNF Unplugged. And really happy to have uh, here today uh, an old friend. We've worked together uh, uh, at various places uh, over the years, Tim Hooper. And Tim is the Vice President of Training and Technology for our agency group in Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. And Tim has often been described as a sales guru. Uh, Now, that that does not mean that Tim sits somewhere up in the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, wearing a long gown and a long beard in the lotus position. In fact, uh, he is very active with our agents in their offices, helping them to grow their sales and showing them how sales discipline, how sales programs work. And Tim, thanks again for joining us here today. Yeah, Chuck, thanks for having me, man. And uh, just always enjoyed uh, your leadership, just a brief time of working together in the past and now back working together and um, just your influence in my life. So thank you. And uh, just being a leader and leading this podcast. So um, excited to be here. Well, thank you. And I'll send you that 20 bucks I owe you. It's in the mail. Thank you very um, much. So, for the, yeah, so, <laughs> so, you know, first question, which we often ask our guests, how did you become, you know, again, a sales guru in the title industry? Not the kind of thing nine-year-olds tend to dream of. How did you get to uh, the point you are today? It's interesting. So I always tell people, title found me. I think 95% of people will admit title found them. So uh, that is um, how this all happened. In fact, I Googled, you know, what is title insurance? (laughs) When I first, I was exploring and doing some research on the uh, industry. So title definitely found me. And just to set the record straight on the guru piece, uh, Chuck, you're too kind. You know, I tell people I was kicking off a uh, a coaching event with a large agent just recently. And I told them, I said, you know, to me, it's not about being a sales coach or a sales trainer so much as as it is being a, a student of sales. And um, every day I get up, just a student, right? And so um, it, it's a lot of fun. Title found me in that I was working with real estate agents and loan officers pretty extensively for about seven years. And um, because of that, obviously, it's it all. I tell people it's the trifecta, right? We're all in this together. And so um, we uh, just had an opportunity pop up that was, hey, could you come in and help title agents grow their business? And being in the industry, that's uh, just one thing led to the next. And so here we are. And uh, it's a great industry. I think there's so much potential to tell our story differently. There's a lot of potential for sales, cultures, discipline. So uh, yeah, man, it's title found me. (laughs) Just sort of getting into it, when a title agent or, you know, an attorney who is a title agent, because again, you work in Virginia, Maryland, DC, and and the marketplace is a little different, uh, say, uh, you know, around DC and what I call the Potomac Valley market is versus places like Lynchburg and Roanoke or the Tidewater or the Eastern Shore of Maryland. When a title agent or attorney decides they need to get their arms around their sales process and or their staff, where should they begin? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first thing to begin with is go internal into your own mind, right? Is this something that you're actually wanting to commit to? I see so many leaders, Chuck, as you've seen this um, 
through your career, I'm sure. And every leader, I mean, I've been the leader to actually do this myself at times is we want something and we don't take that internal inventory first of how do we actually implement this and make it successful for the entire team. And so I think we have to look internal, take inventory, and we have to start with commitment. I think sometimes we want our salesperson or somebody who's working for our firm or our title company. Uh, Maybe we have a large team. Maybe we have a couple individuals. We want them to commit, (laughs) right? And as a leader, I think we have to start with us. Are we willing to commit to changing our culture? As we know, that doesn't happen overnight. And I'll tell you, a lot of sales teams I work with, I get that cross-arm look. Not saying salespeople are cross-arm kind of people, but what's happened is they've created some calluses to the flavors of the month that have been thrown their way, right? And, And sometimes, too, we bring in what I call celebrity coaches, right? So somebody has a platform, a book, they're a speaker. And so we're like, hey, let me pay this guy because he's great at sales. Let me pay him to come in and change my culture. Well, what does that look like? Well, we're going to get off the grid for two days. (laughs) So it's like, well, okay, but that might be the launch to something. That might be the start to something that might plant the seed for something. But we know change can't happen overnight. And so what is, as a leader, what is our internal commitment look like to make this not the flavor of the month? And then it, it pretty much goes from there into, okay, what can we consistently do in a realistic, ongoing way? Because as you know, if you're in the gym, you're not going to master the gym the first visit. It's through all the different visits and your muscles build what we call muscle memory. Your golf swing, same thing, right? You have to practice and get the muscle memory. So if we're not plugging something in consistently across the different branches, the different geography that our company sets, then it's not going to stick. It will be a flavor of the month. So what's the commitment? What's the consistency? And then before you launch, I say get engagement. I would rather see a company take longer to launch a change internally if you're committing to change. Take a little longer to launch. Now, I'm not saying don't take action. The real work is the pre-action before the launch. So take action in conversations with your branch managers, your state managers. You're in, if you're regional, if you're in one state, you know, have seven offices. Pull in those leaders, maybe on a Zoom call. Hey, I'm thinking this. I'm chewing on this. I heard this guy down at this conference speaking. Think about bringing him in. Throw your objections out. What do you see? How would this not work? And really start there. Get engagement with your team. And now they need to know that you're committed. They need to know you've already thought through the consistency, but do the engagement so that that generates buy-in. And then start mapping out what does this look like with them consistently? And can we commit to this as a team? Once you're there, I think now it's okay, let's launch, let's figure out what we're gonna, how we're gonna do this in person and then a series of Zooms, or are we gonna do this virtually? Or, you know, then it's just more about making the housekeeping happen. So that's where I would encourage any leader to start really commitment, consistency, and then engagement with the, uh, with the team, the leaders on your team. I think that's so important what you've said, and I couldn't agree more. And I know you work with a lot of our agents who are smaller agents. Again, I mentioned some of the law offices and, you know, the Alta statistic is what, uh, you know, the average title agency has five people working in it. So sometimes the owner operator is that salesperson and they have to have their own personal commitment for what they do. Isn't that correct? Yeah, absolutely. I look at it as a um, discipline so key in sales, but I think uh, a commitment corporately and then also a buy-in and commitment individually. And I think too, we talk to title companies all the time who they have some 
killer salespeople who have a book of business and they've been doing it a long time and they're bringing in some newer folks. And sometimes the newer folks, quite honestly, are more raising their hand for the sales training than the folks who have been there a long time. Now, that's not across the board. There's plenty of people who say, no, I want to plug in. I want to sharpen my saw. I want to stay you know, evolving and relevant with the times, right? So we see that. But sometimes you get the, the holdout because I already have a book of business. I've been doing this a long time. I think to overcome that mindset is, you know, approach those folks on your team, those, those killer sales folks and say, hey, I could really use you. I could really use you on these calls to, you know, influence some of our more junior sales folks and uh, just share some of the expertise that has worked so well for you over the years, right? And what you'll find is those folks will lean in and they will get a lot out of it. They'll get a lot out of it. They'll, they'll hear some things. Um, I had one guy, um, amazing. He leaned in. He's like, I'm all over this. Like, I want to keep learning. Well, he walked away from a, a training the other day and it's like, dude, can we zoom in one-on-one and help me get on video? Like I've seen these, these more junior level folks using video in their sales. I've never had to do that, never did, but I think it would be a good touch. And could you help me get on video? Right. So it doesn't matter how amazing you are at sales today. Sales is a constant. I call it a constant journey of learning to connect. So, so absolutely. It's individual commitment, corporate commitment, and uh, that's, that's how you change sales culture. Again, couldn't agree more. And yeah, mentoring. I mean, it's at all levels of our industry, mm. uh, not just sales, so but uh, settlement and escrow, whatever, you know, whatever it is. And, and you've touched on it here. You talked about sales discipline. And I've heard you speak in the past, and you often talk about sales discipline. What is sales discipline? How does it interact with overall management? What it is and how it uh, overlaps and intersects and intertwines. It's a little bit of a nut, right? So um, I think first and foremost, in any trade, right? A discipline is basically an acceptance and adherence to a set of practices. And um, I think in any discipline, those practices change, right? And we're, as a doctor, we're operating on people nowadays different than we operated 100 years ago, right? Disciplines change. like our, So in sales, discipline is a set of practices. And I use the word practice, especially because I think sometimes in sales, we see it as, you know, something we can show up and do. It's a, I was born charismatic. I've always been good at selling. And it's so interesting. I see some people who say that and they get in front of somebody and I can actually watch the the buyer, the real estate agent, loan officer glaze over. Right? And it's like, wow. It's like what worked maybe 10 years ago, you know, same pitch, same approach. Have we changed? So I think discipline is a set of practices, something we practice, something we evolve. But I think it's, you have to be clear. What are the set of practices? And so in discipline, I think, okay, being disciplined with our emotions. I always say data is greater than drama right? Sales is not just instinct. Sales discipline is not just instinct. You wake up every day because you're just an early riser anyway, and you're just going to get in the inbox and just email new prospects and open up new doors. And that might work when you start out. Well, then like my buddy Alex Goldfan likes to say, we have to slide from proactive to reactive. We get a book of business and now guess what? My inbox is now full of problems, which is good. That's how business grows, but you are now in a reactive slump. So sales discipline individually comes down to what are my set of practices, right? If I'm going to get good at my golf game, I can't just go play games. I have to go hit the green by myself with a buddy for hours practicing the drive, right? Chuck, I know you golf much more extensively than I do, but um, <laughs> what, what, what's the one dr- drives for show and, and the short is, is where you go pro, right? The short range, like you got to figure out how to 
get out there and just really tweak those little short shots, right? The little things. And so sales discipline is what are my set of practices and how often am I doing this? And this is one of the things I start with a sales team asking is when's the last time you time blocked making 10 phone calls to somebody you've never talked to before? It's a litmus test because, oh, wow. Hmm. Interesting. I'm talking to a lot of people I'm doing a lot of business with. Well, that's account maintenance. That's good. You have to nurture those accounts. But sales discipline is a set of practices. Have we gotten away from a certain practice that generated the business three years ago and we slid from it? So sales discipline is not just about getting up and doing what we inherently think charismatic sales show up. It's am I actually looking at the data overall, the emotional feel? (laughs) Am I looking at the data? Am I really hitting the metrics out of the park that I want? And I also apply the M squared approach, which is meaningful metrics matter. That's what it stands for. Meaningful metrics matter. If you're a sales leader, zoom in one-on-one and get meaningful metrics with every one of your folks that matter to them. Get them to matter to them, right? What metrics will drive, if you want three new clients, how many phone calls does it make? Work it backwards and get meaningful metrics that matter. Because then in their week, are we time blocking for those metrics? right? Are we helping them protect their time for those metrics? And then the discipline, so that's more individually. And then the corporate side of discipline is if you're in sales leadership or if you're the owner, I see so many times we want to change sales culture. Okay. So then we bring in the sales coach, we do all the training, we go through the stuff. And then as a leader, we don't get ahead of it and think, well, if this person has always been a closing person, and I'm trying to get them out and about, we don't protect their time or help them to delegate or take things off their plate. And so then they're left paying that corporate tax and never able to actually go do those metrics that matter to grow sales. So I think discipline has to be a set of practices individually. And then we need to define corporately what the set of practices or what the role changing or switching some things around looks like so that everyone's very, very clear on expectations. So discipline individually and then how it correlates to the corporate, I think is so important. What you're saying, I think, is so spot on. And uh, someone who uh, I admire, who's not in our industry, a guy named Bruce Mao, who is a uh, creative designer, a Canadian, but he put something together called a uh, uncompleted manifesto for creativity. But one of his points is discipline uh-huh. equals freedom. Said so if you know if you are wow. disciplined about what you do, yes. and he talked about architects. He said an architect who comes in on budget is an architect who will on his next time will be free to do more about what he wants to do or she wants to do because they have been disciplined and have followed their own internal discipline to come in on budget, to come in and meet those metrics. So yeah, I mean, just so spot on, you know, and the golf analogy. Yeah. It's woods, irons, and putting. (laughs) It's not. not, (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, I can, I can hit the ball 350 yards, but man, I'm a, I'm a, I have to, it takes me six putts to get it in. So, uh, uh, so yeah, absolutely. And, I know that people will talk about, and, and I know you experience this, and, and again, as an attorney and any law school that I'm aware of, and certainly my law school, there are no classes about how to run a business. There is nothing about that as an attorney. And attorneys, I think, sometimes struggle, sometimes because of ethical considerations and so forth. But marketing and sales, I hear, especially so many attorney agents, like, oh, well, marketing and sales. And it's like, You know, they're two really different things. So how do (laughs) marketing sales, how does that interact? And, and, you know, when you're talking to people, you know, which is the chicken and which is the egg on this? Well, uh, Chuck, I I ordered a uh, chicken and an egg on Amazon 
uh, the other day. I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that dad joke recently. I had to use that on you. It's so interesting because you're working for a Fortune 500 company and they have a marketing department that sits out in California. You've got sales folks throughout all the different regions. It's an easier thing to understand. You've got marketing doing all of this stuff to create awareness and new product launching. And you have all the you know marketing help set pricing. They're doing research in the market ahead of things. And they're getting all... So if you looked at marketing, it's a, it's a broad picture of prior to product launch, a lot of research. They're informing design and production. And then they're now talking about it with the consumers and getting awareness built. So then when you come into the title space, the title world... A lot of times it's a marketing slash sales. Like you look on online and you'll see positions, marketing sales. And it doesn't mean it's the same thing. It means we have the budget for one person and we want that one person to do both. So I think understanding that for a first off, marketing and sales are two different things. But in the title industry, you're often going to be tasked with both. And just just understand that I think is key. But I think just to break it down, marketing creates awareness and attraction, right? Marketing should. I mean, good marketing. And there's so much about marketing and, you know, graphic design and campaigns that are catchy and matter and, and there's so much there. And I have a very creative mind. And in college, I took, you know, graphic design and I, I, I enjoy that. Right. But for me, I enjoy more of that complex conversation about, hey, you know, our competitors getting this amount of business, we're getting this amount. How can we move that needle? Those conversations I enjoy more. So I lean more towards the sales. And so I think marketing creates awareness and attraction. Sales drives urgency and action. One thing I, I think is, is really missing in this industry, because I think, and you nailed it, you know, in law school, or maybe you took a class in real estate, or, or maybe you're coming into title from another walk. I, I think sometimes we learned our craft. We learned how to do it well. We're the best at contracts, right? And figuring things out and or maybe we're a litigator in the past. We're good at that. I find that attorneys and title folks are really good like with emotional intelligence, understanding their clients, and they're able to grow business because of serving well, right? So I think that you know, it's the best salespeople are the ones who are good at getting service right. But I think where we fall down a lot in this industry is we don't know or we don't believe that we can actually with sales discipline, with a set of practices, we can actually drive urgency and action and we can actually change things in our local marketplace. It's like, well, that brokerage has been using that title company for a very long time. Okay, great. How do we get in and figure out what's going well for them and where some opportunities are for us to potentially earn their business? And we have those levels of conversations and, and ask, and it's like, well, I see them once a year or twice a year at the this association, or we rub shoulders over here. We have a drink at this mixer over here. Those things are important. I do not want to discount networking. Networking is powerful. But I think sometimes, again, well, we have a drip campaign that goes out. They get that. And I'm networking with them. And so the business should happen. And you know what? By golly, people stub their toes, companies stub their toes in two or three years that title company may stub their toe and you may get a shot. But I believe sales is all about driving urgency and action and painting the picture of what's the opportunity cost of you not working with us, right? Helping your prospective client discover things that opportunities they can work with together with you 
and painting you into their picture sooner. So I think marketing is absolutely important. I think sometimes it's more comfortable. And so therefore marketing sometimes comes easier or is easier to do than sales. So two different things, marketing should create awareness of who we are in the marketplace, what we're up to, what we're all about. It should absolutely be enticing enough to create some attraction. But then sales, the sales role is let's go sit down face to face and talk business. And how do we actually dig in and listen better to this prospective client and find ways that we can absolutely collaborate to move the conversation and relationship forward. And I think a lot of salespeople, unfortunately, go into the marketplace and they show up as marketers. So we go to a meeting and we talk, 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 and we don't realize we're in that meeting to actually listen, listen, listen. So sales is, I say marketing should be more talk, right? Here's who we are. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're so cool. And you should be a part of us. And then sales needs to be zoom in with some power questions and then shut up and listen <laughs> and let and find ways to create that urgency. Again, what you're saying is so true. And I think if there's any example about how successful marketing leads to sales to the point where the company becomes better known for its marketing program, there used to be a company called Quicken. And then they mm. rolled out their the Rocket Mortgage Program. And today it's called Rocket uh, wow. because it became so well known by the Rocket Mortgage Program. And Quicken, uh, anybody in the mortgage industry or title or settlement or real estate knew who Quicken was. But mm. in public, they knew about Rocket. And so today, Quicken is Rocket. Great analogy. So yeah. true. And here in our final minutes here, said, so, you know, if there are two or three current trends that yep. you see now in sales, because we're, you know, we're in a, well, a struggling market where, you know, the market mm -hmm. went down, it's improving, but it's very yep. slow. In regard to where we are now in sales, as to where in particular interaction with real estate agents and lenders, what would those two or three trends that you see, uh, what would those currently be? Yep. Just real briefly, and I mean, we could dig into all of these pretty deeply, right? So hopefully some contact information is shared. We could be in touch after if you've heard this podcast and want to reach out to learn more. But number one is, I would say, leverage virtual and video right now. The pandemic was terrible in so many ways, and but it handed us some um, absolutely broad tools that everyone has leaned into. So leverage virtual and video. People are more willing now than ever before to jump on 20-minute Zoom call. I do virtual coffees all the time with people, Chuck, because I can learn more about people very quickly. And you could time block this into your day, but leverage virtual and then get on video. Right now, our database, listen, they might not be buying right now. Inventory might be short. I hear it all the time. Rates are high, inventory short. It does not negate our responsibility as sales professionals to have conversations. The person winning the most conversations will win the most deals, period. That's a sales discipline. That's a practice. So how's your practice on getting conversations going? And right now you could do that leveraging video. So do a whole training on video. It's so powerful. But get your face in front of people right now. Use it in your drips. Use it in your marketing. Use it on social and don't just use video on social. So many people think that's going to win the business. Again, that's more marketing. You need to use video one-on-one -on -one with people and just get your face in front of them and say hi. And you could do that virtually using video right now. It's so meaningful. Number two, make AI work for you. Don't shy away from it, but don't be all, don't jump in hook, line, and sinker and get lost in the sauce. Make AI work for you and then make sure it works for you, meaning don't ever lose your voice don't ever lose who you are with AI. Because I think right now, Chuck, 
we see a lot of people spamming real estate agents with all these cool tools. Oh, I got this new plug and play. I can get all these real estate agents emails and, and, and send them these little messages and oh, I'm tired of shiny buttons. You're actually spamming them. You've lost your human touch, your human voice. And I, I coach real estate agents. They hate that stuff. So use AI for some creativity, for some backend office stuff, but don't lose yourself in that sauce. Be you, connect humanly. And then number three, back to basics. Get back to basics. Do some just blocking and tackling, time blocking. Am I putting my sales practices on my calendar? Am I actually doing it? Focus and then just stay a student of connection. And I think if you'll do that, lean into some of the stuff out there, but stay all about that connection, getting face to face with people, talking with people, listening and talking, meaning listening to them, having conversations. I think you will win the day. The business will come back. The problem is a lot of us will be behind because we weren't having those conversations. I think this has been just a great presentation. I really thank you for doing this. And we're so lucky Absolutely. to have you in the agency group here at FNF. And uh, again, uh, so happy we're working together again. So again, thanks so much for being here today. I think it's been very enlightening. And I always learn so much on these podcasts and especially from you, because again, you know, the only reason that I might be able to be good at sales is because I come from an Irish background. So, well, that's about as much as I've got going. So it's more genetic than discipline. But all that being said, again, thanks so much, Tim. Uh, really bet. enjoyed having you here today. I enjoy being here, Chuck. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your leadership here with the Unplugged Podcast. Well, thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners here today for another installment of FNF Unplugged. And hope you all have a great and very profitable day. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or any endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed in this podcast.